Hey there, everyone. I'm Andrew Fulton, your host of the Rigway Podcast. This episode's going to be great. Today, we are talking with Rig Rope Access Senior Project Manager, Chad Ziprich. Before we start the conversation with Chad, we want to thank everyone for listening to Episode 5. We hope you enjoyed that conversation with Clayton, and I especially want to thank those that have subscribed to the podcast. To the contractors that are listening, Rig Rope Access is an IRATA operating and training company. IRATA is the Industrial Rope Access Trade Association, and I'm going to share with you IRATA's aims and objectives from their website. So here they are. To be the leading worldwide organization for rope access. Promote and maintain high standards, safety, work quality, and working practices for the industrial rope access industry. Dedicated to improving best practices for individuals working in rope access, promoting continual improvement in the education and training aspects of rope access, and increasing awareness of the advantages of rope access over alternative access methods. So there you have it. Those aims and objectives are why RIG is an IRATA operations and an IRATA training company. IRATA is the highest standard in the rope access industry, and that is definitely the RIG way. All right, Chad, thanks for coming over here to record this episode of the podcast with us this evening. I know you've had a long day and started early. Why don't you tell us about that right out of the gate, buddy? Happy to be here, you know. You know, it's going on now close to 14 hours, I think. All right. 14, 13 hours, 3.30 this morning, getting up, rolling over to our major confined space rescue client that we have in town at the paper mill that we make paper products for your kitchen and your bathroom. We do a confined space rescue there to facilitate them going into their holes, for lack of a better term. Wow, okay. (laughs) And so today, what were they working on over there? Uh, you were there a long time. We full day. Ha- we had probably fourteen different entry holes with three different, three major different spaces. They had some trouble putting together back together some of their parts. So it's just you know, okay, are we gonna put get this put back together today? And you know, we're there until it's done. So it's wow. just keeps going and going and going. So not really rope access, but confined space, or was there work on ropes? No, there was no. There's no rope access on our confined space crops. Okay. It's just rescue, standby rescue for the technicians. Their their technicians that are inside the holes. Okay, that's so it's awesome. Being prepared to do your job, and hopefully you never have to pull anyone out. And if you do your job well and you do a lot of prep work, hopefully that you never are pulling someone out of a hole because they got injured. Well, that's awesome, and that's a great uh, client that really cares about their employees. It's yeah. kind of stepping up and going to the next level to make sure that nothing's going to happen. Yeah, they've definitely added a lot more spaces in this year that they weren't previously looking at as confined spaces, but they are definitely, seems to be growing our, the amount of work we have over there. Interesting. So to segue that into rope access, confined space training is a good uh, certification for a rope access tech to have. Yeah, you know all the all the wind, even all the wind tower workers have a version of a confined space training in their GWO training. Okay, their, that's awesome to know. Their rescue training is kind of a inside of a blade is not designed for human occupancy. It's which is the big definition of confined space, or yeah. one of the big definitions of it. Yeah, when I learned that they have to crawl down inside these wind turbine blades. Trevor had told me about that. I, I, I didn't ever realize that. 
Yeah. Oh, like, definitely... wow, you could not get me to climb in one of those. <laughs> definitely have to like small spaces. All right. Down in there. Well, hey, I'm glad that part of your day went safe and definitely appreciate you taking care of business and uh, sharing about that gig. But now we want to learn a little bit about you. So you and I first met about 11 years ago on a PRG job. I was managing the rigging and you were in charge of the scenic install for scenic technologies. Were you new to Vegas around that time? And how did you end up working for PRG and getting in the entertainment biz? No, I actually, I came out here my last year of college to visit a friend in the construction industry. And he said, Hey, if you want to go on some interviews, I can get you a couple interviews in town. And so I, I went on a couple and ended up with a construction job in the commercial construction industry for a interior exterior theming contractor in town, worked in their construction design, architecture, engineering division. And cool. then I transitioned into field, field work and onsite construction management. Well, that's awesome. So, previous to coming here and your friend telling you to come out here, what were you doing? In I was trades where you, I was in trade school for an architecture degree and you know, I was building houses while going to school, which kind of went hand in hand. It gave me a better background on, I felt on the architecture industry, actually being hands-on to just how things worked. Okay. Awesome. That was going to be my next question of whether or not you went to college or you went to a trade school and, um, sounds like you went to a trade school and what kind of made you go that direction? I don't know. I just wasn't too sold on the longevity of, though I went to a four year trade school. So most trade schools, you know, you can get a trades, trades degree in one year or two years or our degree was a four years. It was a four year architectural program, but I don't know. I just kind of liked the program, the, you know, all the instructors seem to be still cycling through the architecture industry hmm. like it wasn't like just a professor that was you know in a college though i never went to college so i don't know how that experience worked okay yeah though people thought i went to multiple different colleges that i didn't go to all right all right <laughs> so you were working for a contractor here in las vegas yep I met you working in the entertainment business. Yep. So did your background in I, doing construction contribute to you being able to get a job with Scenic Technologies? I, I think it did. I was originally hired as one of their, basically the only person in the drafting department. I don't even think they had a department at that time in Las Vegas. They used to. And my background kind of led me to move more into the permanent installs up scenic which is where me and you met on uh what was that it was a spiegel world show uh rose rabbit lie <laughs> where yeah. they uh i still remember the gc walking by going is he tied to anything as you're hanging out of a basket of a lift and next thing you know you're just oh yeah he's fine he's hanging from the ceiling now <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lanyard connected up there somewhere all right yeah you know you and i connecting kind of at this great time in both of our careers, we were doing a lot of awesome big jobs for PRG and our paths were crossing quite yeah. often. And, you know, I always enjoyed working with you because I always thought your project management was good and your leadership skills are good. You can run a crew um, from your days in the entertainment industry. And do you have any really cool jobs that you look back at that you were, you know, proud to be a part of? Not necessarily bloodbaths or anything, but, you know, you know, one of them that really stands out was when I had the opportunity to go do the uh, 
we did the scenery for the world meetings of families with the Pope in Philadelphia. Wow. It was just one of those ones that you're like, do I want to travel for 10 days and be away from my family? Not really, but it was a, it was the job at my at the time. And it was a, you know, it was one of those jobs that you're like, I'm never gonna, this, this doesn't come around more than once. Like this is, this is a great project though. It was a, it turned into a bit of a bloodbath in the end, but it was a, a great project to be a part of. And, you know, that, you know, we provided the set for the Pope that year. Yeah, that's amazing. At the Eakins Oval. Display. Doing a gig for the Pope. Yeah. It, it was, doesn't get any higher than that, man. It was, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. It was definitely a cool experience. So how did you come about becoming a project manager and getting all this leadership? Was that pretty soon into starting with prg where they're like this guy is super capable he can do drawings he can put stuff together he can run a crew or were you kind of mentored by anybody to show you how this works because stagehand world is a little different it it was different and there was a lot of great you know great people at prg yeah you know i worked with you know the staff there was was good and they all had a lot of experience and you know one thing that still sticks out in my mind in the entertainment industry is from Henry Baker, who has since passed away. Uh, yeah. You can never get time back. So yeah, for when sure. you're, if you think you're going to be behind, do the extra hour before you go home. Yeah. There or, you, you know, go. you can never get time back in that industry because they're going to start the show when they start the show. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. Yeah. So you can cut into your sleeping time if you uh, exactly have to uh, if you do it the other way. So how did you come about working for Rig as a project manager? That was I mean, all, that's a great story. I was also well, it, it go it actually started back in 2017, and you guys were getting off the ground, and yeah, you called me and told me that Bob wanted to do some CAD yeah work, and uh, we I still remember meeting him. I forget where I met him. Meeting him and. Uh, we start talking about this structure we wanted to build and it just turned out to be like, do you just want me to do this for you? So yeah. I did the uh, local rig training structure design yeah. with around Bob's ideas. And then, you know, I did things here and there for you guys, for you guys off and on. Yeah. And then eventually when uh, the world came to a standstill with COVID, yep. I called I was working with SGPS at the time and I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm like, you know what? I feel like they're busy over there. I gave Bob a call. And next thing I know, he's like, I'll call you back in a few days. I still remember it. It was on Father's Day. And he goes, hey, can you be at the stadium 6 a.m. tomorrow morning? <laughs> of course. Sure. On Father's Day? Uh, on, it was on, He called me on Father's oh, Day. Okay, and it, it was the next, the Monday after. And I'm like, Perfect. sure, of course I can. Classic. And, the next, and it just snowballed from there. And it was been a great experience i really enjoy being a part of the team there it's nice i've always worked for large companies and it's been nice to you know have a smaller company where you actually know the people that you're working for yeah for sure yeah you were a big asset uh over there at the stadium as soon as i found out that he had brought you on it was like wow okay cool we have a a legit construction project manager working for the team over there with these contractors and it was just super super beneficial and now your responsibilities since then have totally evolved at rig yep so what's happening now you know 
it's 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 a lot of hats but that's kind of the that's kind of the way it works with a small company you know some from you know i i make jokes that my business card should say receptionist in the mailroom <laughs> but you know that's that's yeah. just one of the hats that you wear yeah you check you know? mail pay bills you know from operations with the gear yep. running small confined space jobs here and there training management general project management it's it's what you have to do if you're going to work for a small company and there's and i'm happy to do it yeah yeah you're great and i like to tell everybody that uh you're the voice of rig because you know you basically manage the office and uh you answer the phone probably more than any of us so you're kind of people's first introduction to, to the company and yeah. what we do i i think that's great and you know you're you're the man right there so that's pretty awesome what would be some great little advice that you'd give young people starting out a career in construction or the entertainment industry or rope access business? Little nugget of wisdom to make their days better, move their career. Don't get, you know, the entertainment industry and the rope access, they all end up with long days. You know, one thing that just can't keep burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. Like you see a lot of people, they, they're rolling back into the job site or especially the entertainment industry and they're just look tired like did you go home last night <laughs> yeah I, right. I wonder but yeah. you know you, you got to take care of yourself if you if you're going to make it just in anything that you, is going to be a demanding job where it's you have these long hours and it just doesn't work if you don't eventually you're going to burn out that is very very true so basically what you're saying is is when you get off work go home take a shower go to bed or find something you know, or find some way to relieve the stress you know yeah a lot of you know exactly. whether it's you know don't don't spend your whole night having beers at the bar yep that's really great advice <laughs> i i uh yeah i didn't well, learn uh, that advice when i was young but we, i did now what is your best job and we've both been there yeah i'm sure we have both for sure we've we've both been we there know. in the bar a few times going we know oh crap uh, what is the best part of your job at rig Honestly, I don't think I could put a label on it. Like, okay, cool. Like I, I truly enjoy. I actually enjoy going to work. There was days that in the entertainment industry where it wasn't like, oh, it's another, it's another thing. And like yeah. I, I don't have that feeling there. Like I, I get up and I go in and I, I truly enjoy driving to work these days. And it's, it's uh, been great. That's an awesome compliment to a well-run business. And uh, yeah, man, we appreciate all that. And you guys, we're gonna get into our next section right now. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, really awesome. We're gonna talk about a little bit of what it takes to have a successful career in the rope access industry. All right, everyone. Now we're gonna talk for a little bit on what it takes to have a successful career in the rope access industry and really specific towards project management and the skills that are needed to develop to become a successful project manager, which is uh, it's a big thing because we don't want to go to work and practice. We want to profit from our projects. And so project management is super key. Chad, earlier we talked a bit about your role as a project manager for PRG and RIG. How important are solid project management skills and what are some of the ones that you tune into the best? You know, time management is always a big one because you, you can never get 
you, like you said earlier, you can never get your time back when you get behind. But, you know, there's certain things that you just can't die, dig into. And then you just keep digging yourself into this hole over and over again. And you're like, and you feel like you're never getting anywhere. It's time to just, you know, take a step back and, you know, back in back at PRG, I literally would just get up and walk, just walk out of the building and walk away and walk around the building for like five minutes just to like get my head straight and get back on the right path. Otherwise, I was just felt like a hamster on a wheel and I wasn't getting anywhere. Yeah, and it was just this you're going through the motions, but there, nothing was productive. I'm like, so you just, you know, step away. And and I feel like sometimes you have to think outside the box, like everyone be like, oh, we have to do it this way. We've done it this way forever. I'm like, but why? why like let's let's push that can down the road and let's go the other way let's see what else we can come up with yeah like because it's everyone says you know you can't reinvent the wheel but you can definitely find a new process to develop the wheel (laughs) you can make a better wheel yeah (laughs) yeah and we do that all the time and that's what's great about when you uh are a detail-oriented person and you really care about you know how things your product yeah you're always trying to refine the process so today, you know, here you and your confined space team went over there and did this project. Tell us the steps of preparing for that job because that started, uh, you, when did you get booked for that job? When, when was that booked? That came in about two weeks ago. Okay. They, have a, they do a planned outage once, once a month to go in and clean the inside of the machines. So we start filling the crew, but this one was a little bit different because it was, had a lot more spaces. They added a couple more tanks into this mix, so we had to enlarge the crew a little bit, and we were, you know, going from space to space at a quick pace, but not an unsafe pace, you know. So, but then it's you know making sure all the rescue equipment is prepped and packed, and we still we still take rope access gear, but it's not for it's you know it's rescue gear because it's the same equipment used in rescue that's used in rope access, you know. We have all the it's not two separate styles of rigging mm-hmm. when we, you know, set up a haul system for one. There's one style, but it's just, we're not, perf- we're on the ground. We're not performing any of this work on our rope access system. I love it. So any curveballs come your way today? Uh, there was a, there was a couple, you know, some things didn't go back together as smoothly as I felt like the client wanted, but that wasn't really what we were there for to put anything back together. And, you know, and it depends on what they're making. Depends on how dirty the whole product is. And when they open it up, they go, "Oh, this is going to take more time because ah. you know certain products create more material buildup inside the machines." Were there multiple projects happening simultaneously today? Uh, yeah, we had we had a team on a, a tank down on the one end of the building that was was there all day just because it had some hiccups, and then the other team systematically work their way through the entries that we had as they clean out the equipment and work their way down. So um, are you pre-rigging, pre-setting up, kind of trying to stay in front of, so you're communicating with those guys Yeah. and trying to stay in front so you're always set up when we do, get there? We do, but they, and when they come out of these s- systems, because it is a paper product and it uses a lot of moisture and heat to be created, Yeah. especially in the summertime, all these guys are just like, we need to go get some water. So we have, there's, there's a downtime that we can For sure. move in between each okay, one because good. it's, you know, and sometimes they get in a hurry and, you know, we slow them. We we're there to slow them down. Like, Oh, can we just run in this hole over here real quick? We're only gonna be in there two minutes. I'm like, no, you can't. We, you have to wait. Like you can't just go run in a hole where no one is. Yeah. 
Now, when that situation pops up, that's a uh, that's a leadership moment for sure. Yeah. When you know we are there to basically protect them, and oftentimes the guys who are doing the work have been able to do this work without us being there to protect them and watch over them, and that's always a delicate situation, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to. There's always a new and a better way to do it. We already we said yeah. that a little second ago, and a lot of times the older guys have a, you know, they get a little ah oh, man. We were doing it, and you're, and you're like, all right, buddy, that's cool. So how how do you handle it? You know, a lot of the and the nice thing is a lot of the newer newer guys over there, and they have a fairly younger staff, and they're very receptive uh, to good advancing things. You know, like yeah. you know, we've talked to their management about you know just better, more comfortable harnesses. Like if you do have to get pulled out of a hole, some of the stuff you guys have probably isn't, I wouldn't want to be lifted in it. Like, like <laughs> drug some, in it, you know, as we know, you know, the, the D ring on the chest is a whole lot more comfortable to be picked on than the one on the back, just because of yeah. the way your body positioning is and ergonomics and patient care. Like, for sure, you know, and they've been very receptive to that down there and cool. it's been very, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. But like you said, some of the older guys, yeah. they're they're stuck in their ways and they want to do things the way they've always done them. Yeah. But yeah. it's walking that line and eventually, you know, it's gotten heated a few times down there when they try to, you know, push things back. And, you know, like I said, sometimes you just have to take a step back. And, you know, I have a really great team that we've have down there and they're like, okay, what's let's take a minute and figure this out. Like, there you, you know, go. cause you, you get down that rabbit hole, you get on that wheel and you just keep thinking the same thing. And yeah. sometimes it takes a different perspective for coolers heads to prevail. And that's true. And, and the thing, yeah, it takes a different perspective for cool heads to like to prevail. And one of the things though with us and safety, especially is you can't compromise on it. No, it is what it is. Yeah. It's just like, we don't, we don't compromise on safety. So, Standing your ground sometimes is, it's, uh, you know, and like you said, they those guys don't want to change. Yeah. But, uh, that's it, why we love the young guys and yep. the new guys. So this is a standard question pertaining to working on ropes that I've been asking, you know, from what you've seen, what do you think are the best skills for the up and coming generation to have that don't want to take the traditional college route? what would those skills be to complement a career in rope access? Just a trade, you know, we, uh, some sort of trade, like we, you know, from welding to carpentry to electrical to plumbing, they all, you know, the buildings are getting bigger and bigger and they're putting more people in spaces and turbines are getting taller and taller. Knowing how to work with your hands could be very important and you're not leaving school with, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Yeah. You know, and a rope access certification for your level one cost is one week of your time. Like yeah. who can't spare a week to go? Yeah. It's not teaching you a trade, but it's teaching you how you can take your trade possibly to the next level and be more marketable for your trade. Absolutely. You know, we have a young guy who works for us who, um, is moving through the career path, Christopher. Yep. And today signed up for his level one. Yeah, I saw his uh, receipt come through when I was yeah. trying to. And so that's really exciting. And, you know, he really is excited to get into welding as well. So at first he wanted to talk about, you know, this welding school that he wants to go to. And I said, oh man, this is great. And this is going to be a great school for you. And 
but first let's get you your you're just your level one because it's a it's a four-day course yeah. you know it's it's one week out yeah. and then you have that you know arrow in your quiver um in order that makes you to be able to go out and work and i said let's get you out on some wind jobs get you a year a thousand hours of on ropes you'll be super awesome and then you can go to welding school and then you'll come back and be you'll be one of our welders and you'll be awesome on ropes yeah. and it's a it's a good progression yeah. right yeah because welding on ropes is pretty it's, pretty technical yeah definitely i'm not doing it <laughs> <laughs> all right so friends you heard chad saying trade skills are super super important you know there are so many valuable ones you know from being an electrician to being a welder to being a carpenter, to being a painter, to being a, a plumber, to doing HVAC. Rig has um, helped all of those trades with many different projects. Glazing, we've done some cool glazing projects, getting glass installed, that's pretty awesome. So the trade industry is, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun ones to pick from you guys, good career opportunities. So Chad, in your opinion, should young rope access techs that wanna work regularly in the industry wait for someone else to train them or should they be motivated and seek training out themselves? What do you think about that? I think it's, you know, the getting the going after the training yourself shows that you're motivated for your job. For sure. You know, like waiting for someone else that, Oh, here's the carrot. Let me just hand it to you. Yeah. Go out and chase it. Like, yeah. you know, you, and you don't know what you don't know. Like if, if you don't know how to do something, you just don't know how to do it because you've never been taught. Yep. And, you're probably not going to be good at it the first time you do it because there's not many people that are excellent about something the first time they do it. <laughs> it's sure. just, you know, there's a learning curve in everything you do. So don't struggle if you don't pick it up right away. No, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's like we get some first time candidates through the course that just, they struggle and then they, sadly, they, they don't pass, but we work with them and they, we get them back in and they're much stronger. It seems like the second time they come yeah. through and they, they, yeah. they get that little bit more under their feet. Maybe they just need a little more training. You know, a lo the level one class is an accelerated. There's a lot. If you don't know anything about ropes or rope access, it's it's a lot to pick up in a week. Oh, yeah. But, You're getting fire hose with just information. And some people take to it others. And some people just, it doesn't click the first time. And it may click the second or third time. Yep. Yep. But that's why we, we love to bring people back and help them through the process, yeah. you know. So as a project manager, when you're building your teams, what are some of the skills and traits that a tech needs to have in order to get calls from you for work? You know, it, it likes to know that you've had prior experience on a sort of job, you know, yeah. like that you've done what specifically we're sending you out to do. And it doesn't always happen that way. You can't rebuild the same team on every, every job every time. Otherwise you don't develop any talent. So, you know, you, you, you got to pass down that knowledge that, uh, you know, it, if it's stuck in someone's head and eventually you're going to move on to another project, someone else needs to know how to do it. So, you know, it helps to stick some new young guys or just new, new people with it. So everyone has the knowledge because holding on to that knowledge doesn't make you more valuable to a company, It you know, because we're going to look like oh, we only have one guy that knows how to do this. Yeah. Everyone needs to have Not the knowledge. Good. Like it needs to be shared. So, you know, pass it along because eventually you're going to move on to something else and that knowledge could be lost. Yeah. Be a teacher. Yeah. 
always be paying it forward. And I love all those attributes and I, I, I appreciate them. Absolutely. So since your time in the rope access industry, what are your thoughts on rope access benefits for contractors that have challenging work at height? You know, scaffolding is expensive, you know, and especially if it's, you know, putting up a big scaffold for a little, a little project, maybe it's not the right way, especially if, you know, some of those scaffoldings I've seen in different construction projects, they've been pretty, pretty technical. Expensive, costly. Yeah. I've watched one that got put up on, it got put up on a Monday. It was in a, a project, I forget where, and they had to take it back down by Thursday every week because the building had to like rotate into something else. Yeah. So they had, it took them 18 hours to put it up and 18 hours to take it down. And then they had like, you know, 24 hours to work on it. Wow. And this happened every week for like four weeks. Amazing. I would love that rental. <laughs> and the labor. The assembly. <laughs> assembly and breakdown. <laughs> hey, uh, share a quick story with listeners uh, about a rope access project that you still think is a cool project that you were involved with. I, you know, I, I so many, I know. I started at, uh, like I said, I started with you guys this time around at Allegiant Stadium. And oh, yeah. It was definitely a, a cool project and it, you know, it kind of turned me into this, moved my career into this direction with the rope access industry. So that's probably one of my favorite just because it put me on this path. All right. Yeah. And at a time when it was, uh, you were highly needed. Yes. And it was just amazing. Like I said, everybody, I'd worked with this guy doing many very challenging jobs and uh, was absolutely thrilled and, uh, oh, I love to just brag that we have Chad Zipperich working for you, for Rick, <laughs> because it really means something in town because, I mean, you were a, a dominant figure in, in the biz. So that's pretty awesome. So I love it that uh, you're still stoked on working out at Legion Stadium. So give us a last nugget of wisdom for listeners that are thinking that they want to grow their career in a leadership role and management roles. Just give them a little nug. Like I said, just get out there and try it. Like it, you don't know what you're capable of until you do it. And yeah, you may fall flat on your face, but don't let it stop you. Get up and try it again because eventually you're going to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I agree with that. You got to just keep going and going keep and going. What would, uh, to, you know, tell the listeners briefly why being a project manager is satisfying. I mean, what do you get from it? It's definitely an accomplishing job. Like you feel like you, you know, like, yeah, you're not out there necessarily doing the work with the techs or anything like that, but you know, it, it takes a lot to orchestrate yeah. some of these logistical things. Like, you yeah. know, I have to get, move this equipment from here make sure all these guys are there and all this stuff, you know, and that's the baseline of it, but there's a lot that goes on to it. And it, it's definitely a feel successful when you pull something off. Yeah. That you think, how am I going to pull this off when you start? And it, and somehow it just all kind of comes together. Yeah, you got to believe. Yeah. <laughs> you got to believe. Well, friends, we're going to wrap up the second part of the podcast by saying that Rig loves how great you are at your job, Chad, which is definitely the Rig way. Up next, friends, Chad's going to tell us a little bit about his great times of rock climbing out in Red Rock Canyon. Before we dive into Chad telling us what he believes the benefits of rock climbing are, we're going to give a shout out to our incredible partner in all things rope access equipment, that being Petzl. Rig Rope Access is a Petzl technical partner, and we want to let you know some of the awesome resources that Petzl has created for the work at height community. 
Petzl has a series of how-to videos on their YouTube channel created for work at height professionals. Filmed at the Petzl Technical Institute in Salt Lake City, these informational videos provide an overview on the best practices, technical considerations, and common applications for some of Petzl's most popular products. New videos are frequently uploaded, so be sure to subscribe to their channel at youtube.com forward slash Petzl Professional Videos. That right there, friends, is why Rig Rope Access is a Petzl technical partner. Petzl is an unparalleled leader in the work at height industry, and they're such a fantastic company to be aligned with. Rig loves Petzl. Well, now we're gonna talk about outdoor fun and a bit about rock climbing out in Red Rock Canyon. But my first question is, Chad, what outdoor activities were you into growing up? You know, I, it was a lot of the team sports growing up. Grow, like, I played basketball and soccer and baseball, things like that. Played Where did you grow up? I'm sorry, uh, we haven't told anybody. A small town outside of St. Louis called Jerseyville, Illinois. Jerseyville, Illinois. Yes. All right, cool. We actually just, the guys actually just had to go almost through there to do a bridge inspection a couple weeks back. I was oh, like, nice. what are you guys going to Piasaw for? Or it wasn't Piasaw. It was something, some small town. And I'm like, I know where that is. Yeah. So team sports are big. Team sports were big in part, part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. But there was always, I was always outdoors growing up. Like yeah. we were, I had a bunch of friends. They had acreage. We'd just disappear under the land and go camping for like three, four days. Cool. Built some incredibly sketchy zip lines. Oh, nice. Back in the day. Like, great. Probably, you know, like we were not smart. <laughs> like, but you know, you were young and you were invincible. You weren't considering vectors then. No, no, you weren't. You weren't really worried about much of anything except having fun, right? Exactly. All right. Well, cool. Who introduced you to roped climbing? Because you've been climbing for a while. Yeah, it. You know, I've technically kind of started back at it three times now. You okay. know, when I when I first moved out here, uh, a friend of a friend said they were going to go climbing. I'm like. I always kind of wanted to do it growing up, but I didn't really have the resources or the location to go climbing. For sure. In the Southern Illinois. Yeah. Though later in my life, I found out there is climbing in farther Southern Illinois, but okay. I never haven't had the chance to experience that yet. All right. So I went and bought harness and shoes and went with them climbing short, shortly after I moved here. Really liked it. And then a lot of, you know, just kind of fell apart a lot of people moved away and you know like that and then at prg i started again with a couple of people and they tried to get into it and i tried to do it again and it didn't work out but now you know working at rig it seems like if you're not a rock climber yeah. <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing we're gonna get you rock <laughs> we're climbing. gonna get you into it so it's definitely made the transition back into it a lot easier i think that's great yeah it's uh that's how it is. I mean, you have a lot of stuff going on and, you know, yeah. you have a lot of talents. And so you put time, you ride bikes too, right? Yeah. You're well, a road actually, biker. I, so I do road bike and I started, you know, I kind of have it on my bucket list that I want to do a, a triathlon eventually. Oh, cool. So I've been, I try to keep, stay in the pool and swim, you know, 700 to a thousand yards mm -hmm. a couple times a week. And then just slowly starting to get back to running. Okay. And when the bike market gets a little bit better and they're not impossible to find, ah. get the new bike and start down that path of trying to accomplish a triathlon in the next year or so. That's a worthy goal, man. That's a worthy goal. Um, 
I've, I've never set the goal of a triathlon. <laughs> I've always seen that as like, wow, that's uh, it's definitely, epic, you know? It's definitely not going to be like an Ironman-level triathlon. Just yeah, hopefully hopefully an Olympic level where it's not, you know, 100 miles on a bike. It's I think it's closer to 26 or something like that miles on a bike. And then oh, okay. like a six-mile run, I think it is. How far do you have to swim? I want to say it's 1,500 yards. 1500 yards or 1500 meters 1500 meters which little less than a mile yeah okay not it, well, it would be terrible but i'm pretty sure at this point i could probably get through it right now but well, it think, would hurt it i would think definitely all three hurt. of those disciplines uh you can excel out because you know if you haven't met chad before he's a tall lanky guy <laughs> so he can definitely ride a road bike he definitely has a long stride and he definitely can probably swim a long distance so that is a super worthy goal. Uh, I'm going to kind of steer us back a little bit towards climbing. Mm -hmm. So when you do have the opportunities to go climbing, what do you enjoy about heading out there, tying into the end of the rope and tackling a cliff? It's, it's definitely a, a sense of accomplishment. You know, I, you know, I'm by no means a excellent climber. Like it's just not who I am. And I, I, I go out there for the enjoyment of it. For you sure. know, I'm not out there trying to climb the next, hard thing because it's not who I am I just yeah I like you know I like the for lack of a better term the simpler routes I'm yeah. not I don't want to do the 512 513 it's, you don't just, not, it's just not who I am I don't yeah I, I just enjoy being outside in nature climbing the rock it's 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 enjoying it's peaceful yeah it is it is peaceful and you know we all have our levels that we love to be at the level we like to be challenged at. Yeah. I like to be challenged at the 510 level. That's yeah. that's my favorite level. Um, I've climbed a few 511s and no 512s, but uh, 511 it was always my max. But 510 was the challenge that I enjoyed. Yeah, you know that that always worked you, for me. And the hard climbing, uh, man, I just didn't have the genetics for it. But I was always injured. You know, a shoulder, a finger, a back, a neck. <laughs> you know stuff like that so i enjoy those same things it's just great just being out there on a cliff and yeah looking you know over at the scenery and i think it's awesome so you know you being a family man you bring your kids out to red rock and ever get them on a rope to the climbing gym we i've tried it a few times uh, uh -huh. one time i was actually out with my kids and we were just going to go up on uh like do the mary jane falls hike and i actually ran into bob and luna and couple others up there and he's like oh yeah we're gonna go climb and it was oh yeah it was a uh, lexi's first time and austin's first time actually outdoor on a rope wow and alexa didn't take too well to it i don't think she's gonna be her cup of tea but austin is constantly climbing on. i think he'll i think he'll take to it eventually oh that's great he's still a little little small but you know i think he'll i think he'll take to it pretty well oh that's awesome it's uh my kids when they were little i had three kids and took them out to Red Rocks and Mount Charleston and all those great little hikes. And we'd put them on ropes and they loved it, you know, scrambling up things. None of them really ever got into climbing, but it was fun yeah. taking them around out there. So one last question pertaining to this part of the podcast, what's a Red Rock bucket list adventure that someday you want to do? Rock climb or any type of adventure peak bag. You know, everyone everyone at Rig constantly talks about epinephrine, and I've never climbed it. So ah. I'm like, I, I feel like it's just it's one of those have to things. Eventually, yes. once I get 
back the legs underneath me to right. be able to climb that length. Yeah, yeah, you will love that route. And uh, we have Kevin. Yeah. Um, Kevin is the epinephrine master. Who wants to climb it three times in one day, apparently. Yeah, he's done it <laughs> twice in a day. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he, he's your rope gut up epinephrine. Exactly. That'll be awesome. That'll be great. Well, Chad, thanks so much for your time today. Epinephrine is a worthy goal for sure. And everything you told us about your trade school education and your background in construction and the entertainment industry and your thoughts on valuable skills that complement a career in the rope access industry. And of course, your role as a senior project manager at RIG. It's been awesome and just really uh, enthused about you taking the time and sharing all that with our listeners. So friends, thanks for listening to the RIGWAY podcast. As mentioned earlier, our goal is to educate, inspire, and entertain you for a few minutes of your day a couple times a month. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions, please ask. Reach out to the RIG Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn pages, and we'll definitely get back to you. And to close, remember this. As always, when you're doing things the RIG way, you're doing things the right way.